Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along. The Cricket Badger with the Cricket Badger podcast. I'm James Butler taking you through this one as always. We've got a very special guest as well, back for the second time. Paul Smith, the former Warwickshire all-rounder. He's been on before, he's answered the 20 questions and in today's double-parter, we talk about his life more. And a very interesting bloke. Every time I talk to Paul, I think, well, there's another podcast in this. And then I talk again. And there's another podcast in this. And even after this double parter, there's still a a further conversation to be had with Paul Smith. A very interesting bloke, very frank bloke and very open and honest about his uh, life in sport, life in general and the ups and downs that have come along the way. His book Wasted, out 13 years ago. It's going to be reissued online as well for a quite a nominal fee. And it's well worth a read as well. Paul gave me a copy of his book and I've read it over the last couple of days and it's seriously interesting. So I would recommend it as well. But before we get into the chat, thank you very much to BodylineTshirts.com, to Manscaped.com and to MoonriseSports.com for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast over the last few weeks. Not just the Indian Premier League daily podcast that we've been putting out. Thank you for listening to those as well, because there's been some serious numbers hitting those daily podcasts too. But their support of the Cricket Badger podcast is very much appreciated. If you could find time to like, subscribe and leave a nice comment on the Cricket Badger podcast, that would be fantastic too. But let's get into the chat with Paul Smith. I recommend it. It's well worth a listen as we welcome him back to the Cricket Badger podcast. It's that Badger style. Pleasure to welcome back on to the Cricket Badger podcast, former Warwickshire all-rounder Paul Smith. Paul, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me. The reason we started chatting uh, in the last couple of days is because you've uh, your book Wasted that was out about was it 13, 14 years ago. You're kind of re- relaunching that again, aren't you? Yeah, it'll go online. Um, we just got the technical side, which we're going through at the moment. Um, 
but yeah, hopefully in the next few weeks it will uh, it, it'll go online and um, and sell copious amounts. <laughs> I'm quite interested by you um, as a as a personality. I mean, with all due respect to your cricket, and your cricket was decent. You as a, as a as a human being actually interest me because you've done quite an awful lot of things in your time. Not all of it's been good, but if we delve back into some of that, uh, be interesting for me anyway, and hopefully for the listeners as well. The the title of your book to start with, wasted. Wasted obviously has a diff- a number of different kind of connotations, isn't it? Is that how you wanted to play it? Well, first of all, it's wasted with a question mark. And, and, you know, the question mark is as big as the block capitalists that are on the front of the book. But most people overlook it. But it was it's there for a particular reason as to, you know, whether you waste your career, you know, whether whether you got the best out of yourself, uh, whether you were wasted last night or wasted at a particular time of your life. And mm. um, it meant, you know, it means it means many things to many different people. But I mean, to me, it was an obvious title. And if I was to ask you the question, did you waste your career? What would be your answer? Uh, no, because I, the reason I wanted to um, the reason I wanted to play professional sports because I thought I was good at it. Um, I thought I was good at what I did. I, you know, in terms of with bat and ball, and uh, when you play in a team sport, you have a, a lot of a lot of great times with those that you play sport with. And if you happen to strike it lucky and get on a winning streak and achieve what other people have never done before then you can't have wasted it, can you, if you win that amount of trophies and you have that amount of memories. And it's not just those that played. It would be support staff. It would be thousands of supporters. Whether they supported us or not, they recall. Um, when we went onto their ground and you know and, and did them on their own backyard mm. and did it repeatedly over a good good period of time. So whether I wasted my career, we could all, we could all do better. But if someone had said at the beginning, you will t- help turn the fortunes of a pretty damn big club, turn it round and give them the levels of success that they've never had before or since. I think they'd have taken the gig. But you, you can't get around the fact that your career finished before it should have done. Well, it lasts as long as it does, you know. I mean, I played a lot from young. And I think that if you play, you know, to be enthusiastic for such a long period of time, you know, I mean, uh, I, I mean, it, I might be repeating myself here, but sort of the people who inspired me inspired me from when I was like nine years of age. Um, when I first met Willis at our front door in Newcastle upon Tyne, when he came to pick my brother up to take him for a pint, um, I, I, I remember thinking I want to play in the same team as him. And then, uh, for whatever reason, around thirteen, whether that was because of what was happening for me on the field, whether that be at age group level or you know, when I was 13, I was playing for the under-15s and sometimes for the under-19s, as well as senior cricket. I felt I was going to play. Uh, and then, obviously, when I was 14, 15, school summer holidays, I was in the environment. And you're around people that, you know, inspire you. So, you know, whether I've gone off the off the reek in there. Um, what was the question again? That your career finished before it should have. So, you know, sort of from such a young age, to play that amount of cricket, I mean, you know, you, I think you either burn out, you know, you 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 either get worked out and you and you don't have a long career. But if you do have a long career, your enthusiasm for it, and you also have the physical and the mental aspect of it that's often overlooked. Um, I think you have a certain amount of juice in the tank, and it's certainly with me. By the time I was, you know, sort of early thirties, I'd I'd actually achieved what I set out to do. So, you know, that's quite difficult, and and 
there are obvious examples in other walks of life, you know, as to why, I don't know, why would a lead singer walk walk out of a of a multi platinum album band, you know? And people say you're mad, but if you don't want to do it anymore, then you, know, you can kiss the, the band goodbye. You walk, um, and no one plays forever, no matter what you do. Uh, so I think I'd, I'd given it everything that I possibly could, and, and if you feel that, then you haven't wasted your career. You've actually achieved a lot more than what I think. In hindsight, you know, you you achieve a lot. Um, so you know, I never thought I was going to play till I was 44, like Dennis Amos, or 47, like Norman Gifford. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Uh, I think I'd be a caricature of what I, you know what I was when I when I really set out on that journey. But did cricket end on your terms, though? I read a piece the other day about you, um, the Guardian. It was a review of uh, of your book, and I'll, I'll read you that paragraph. By 1997, however, he was no player at all. After descending into drug addiction, he was banned for 22 months for bringing the game into disrepute. And then there's a quote from you. The time I started taking drugs to the time I knew I was finished as a player took just 18 months. I was fingered and I covered for a lot of other people. If you take drugs, you've got an issue that needs to be addressed. It doesn't make you a bad person. I'm tinged with that, but I don't give a monkey's what people think of me. What What I was trying to get to there was that, you know, your, your career from outside... And I've spoken to you a lot, but I don't know you particularly well. It looked like it finished because of the drug addiction and because of uh, of that kind of stuff, rather than it being on your terms. Well, I don't think you ever finish really on your own terms. You know, even those that you know retire quietly, someone's probably had a word in their ear. Do you ever finish on your own terms? I think at that time, you know, it was uh, it was a hugely emotional time of life uh, because we played a huge amount of cricket that was. Um, very taxing mentally and physically, um, a lot of pressure, uh, and then you and, and that's just what you do for a living, you know. Uh, there were other things that were going on. Mm. So, <laughs> regarding what my quote was there, apart from the fact that I couldn't give the monkeys what people think of me, uh, I would probably stand by most of what Paul Weaver quoted me on. Yeah, I was, I mean, that was going to be my follow-up question: was the bit about not caring what people think of you. I mean, in my experience, and I've been exactly the same. When when people say that, they don't mean it. Well, I think that if you if you walk, if you walk around worrying what other people think, it will hinder you in many ways. <laughs> uh, so I think that you know, at the, at the end of the day, I think that it's about being um, about being realistic. You know, people. There's all sorts of reasons why people like people, and there's all sorts of reasons why people don't like people. Um, it, it doesn't. It, to say that it doesn't, to say that it doesn't worry me, I think that you shouldn't look for bad in people, and you know, there's there's no perfect human. So, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people could say a lot of things about a lot of people, and you could also, the people who criticise could also get slated, you know, because of what sort of characters they are themselves. You know, some of them are pretty well known and sit on them um, breakfast television every, you know, every morning. Moonrise is a sports engagement website to allow sports fans to learn from the very best. Get a personal video message recorded for a fan's special occasion. Have a professional cricketer as your next coach by getting video feedback or having a 30-minute conversation with some of the world's best players. Players such as Jimmy Neesham, Colin Munro, Tammy Beaumont, Danny Wyatt, Monty Panasar. Visit MoonriseSports.com or go to Moonrise Sports on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Moonrise Cricket, let's play.
when the drug addiction came into your life, did you see that as a problem at the time? Was that uh, something that you thought this is going to be the end of my cricket? No, I, I think it was more about uh, it was more about the way that life was being lived, the sort of people that were floating around, um, and it so in a way it didn't really matter where you went because it was the same sort of people in the same sort of um, environments. That's why in the end, you know, I went to America because it was easy easier for me to be totally anonymous, uh, to live whatever way I wanted to do. And I didn't feel as if I was going to get dragged into situations. It was easier for me to go. Um, and that's not something that a lot of people would be able to relate to. And, and other people would say, yeah, I get that. But for me, it was the only way it was going to happen. If I'd stayed, if I'd stayed where I was, um, it was only going to go one way and I didn't think it was going to be great. Uh, and I've seen people die around me. Mm. So, you know, I didn't want to be one of those. So it comes down to, if you look in the mirror, do you think you're worth saving? And I had kids. Um, you know, I would have to sort myself out and it took a long time. You've got an image of being a cricketer stroke rock star, haven't you? Somebody, I've seen a few um, pieces about you where people describe you as you should have been a rock star, not a cricketer, really, because that's your kind of personality. That's the image that you had. Was that the life you were living? I probably didn't live the life of your average cricketer. Um, but that's because, uh, you know, it's, listen, I, I love the guys I played cricket with. Um, and we have so many memories together. And not, if you put us together now, we don't really have to talk too much, really. We just have to look at each other and we'll smile because it means so much. I also had people who worked in other walks, you know, who worked in other walks of life, whether they be writers, whether they be musicians, you know, some of them pretty well-known ones. You know, cricketers tend to go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, I think. I didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, but I would always turn around to coaches or, or critics and say, don't judge me, you know, <laughs> don't judge me on what I do tonight, judge me on what I do tomorrow morning. Because, you know, that's what I do. You, would, you wouldn't judge a, the lead guitarist in a band at three o'clock in the afternoon in a sound check, you judge him what he was like when he hit a stage at half past nine at night in front of 30,000 people. There's somebody just about to clean my window, so I'm just going to break off for a second, Paul, because it'll probably end up being picked up on the microphone. Okay. He's got a, uh, a long stick, and he's just clean. I'm on the first floor, and he's cleaning my windows. <laughs> well, I had, um, they needed I cleaning as well. Other, I, I had um, at one the other day where I set aside a, 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 a day last week where I was going to sit and read wasted into a microphone and record it okay. as, the first, as the first draft of a, a potential audio book, right? Yeah. And uh, it was hard enough. It was hard enough to write. And the, the way that I, the, the, <laughs> part of the reason that I wrote it down was because it was easier to write it down yeah. than to talk about <laughs> I thought, I thought that, though, after I spoke to you yesterday, I thought it, it, you actually reading it as an audio book, I think would be quite, quite good. Right. So the first, so I thought last week, I'm going to do this, see what it sounds like. I've got a guy who's got a great voice who actually tutors my 13-year-old daughter. He's fantastic. Yeah. And he would be very good at, at it. It's just, the, I haven't given him a copy of the book because he meant, because he, <laughs> he tutors my daughter. And I don't, part of me doesn't want him to know that, but I think I'll probably give it to him anyway. But anyway, I set aside a day, got the mic ready, set up the laptop, got all the rec recording equipment sounding just right. And some bastard turned up outside with a lawnmower and a strimmer. Yeah. And, a, and, a, and, a, and a, it completely dicked my day. Everything I'd set aside, I then had to do. 
um, because I couldn't record. Nightmare. Yeah, I know. Uh, th- when, you, when you're dealing with microphones, uh, they can be quite... They, well, they pick up a lot of stuff. And if somebody's yeah. uh, got a pneumatic drill just down the road, it doesn't help, does it? And uh, yeah, so... Uh, but get, getting, back to, getting back to the chat and going back into that time. I mean, cr- cricket is a, a fairly conservative kind of environment, isn't it? You know, you, you've got your boardrooms full of people in suits. It's, uh, you know, that, that phrase that you get, well, that's just not cricket, almost illustrates what I'm talking about, really. And if, if you are... Somebody that's rolling in into your hotel on a, on a on a cricket trip, sort of at four in the morning or whatever time it was. The the people in the suits, the people that are making the decisions, aren't necessarily going to relate to that, are they? They might relate to the trophies that are being won, though. True. And that's what they're there for, you know. I mean, a lot of these people are glory hunters, yeah. They don't give that. Not all of them give up their time because they love the club. Some of them are there because. They're ruthless businessmen, and yes, they can they can they can help the club along its way, but they're there for their own purposes. So, if you keep standing on balconies in front of thousands of people and millions watching on TV and listening on radio and all that, you know that's pretty good for business. Um, and we did plenty of that. So, you know, and and you know, if I was ever picked up at as to what time I came in last night, then I probably came in later than you thought anyway. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't really matter. It's, yeah. it's, People talk about everything's in the preparation. I get that 100%. But you see, with me, so long as I was ready for what I had to do tomorrow, then I'm ready for it. You know, I'm not Jeff Boycott. I'm not going to go and stand in my hotel room with a, with a cricket bat and look in, in, in the mirror um, and, and make sure my bat's coming down straight and do it for hours and then potentially sit on my bed or toss and turn because we've got a big game tomorrow. I'm ready for tomorrow, so... So long as I don't get into trouble tonight, I'll see you at the ground. My, my image of you, though, you mentioned looking in the mirror. I, I imagine that you looked in the mirror quite a bit for other reasons, though. Y- I mean, your hair was very different to other people's for a start, wasn't it? I never brushed my hair in my life. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I never brushed my hair. You know, what? How, how people perceive it and the reality of it, is, is is you know two completely mm. different things probably about half a dozen different things if the truth be known you know a, a mirror is what it is a couple of times in my life I've, stu- I've, I've looked at myself in the mirror and I'm actually searching for what's going on between my ears you know and that, and that isn't a sign of madness it's just there's so much going on and not all of it good but you know th- then it comes down to you know how can you when how can you get through this yeah. you know because it's not easy but you know people have seen work Young kids got sent to war. Um, I didn't. Uh, you know, some of the wars that I brought into my own life, I brought into my own life. When, when your career was finally finished and you'd been banned and you knew there was no route back in, you, you sold your story to the news of the world, didn't you? And what was that no. like? Oh, sorry, okay, you're going to correct me. I was in a, in, a, in a house in Sutton Coalfield. Yeah. And there was a journalist in the front room interviewing, um, uh, interviewing a woman uh, about uh, something that's quite unpleasant that has happened in her life uh, probably a decade before. After that conversation took place, where he was going to write an article about it, he then starts to talk to me about a lot of things where I thought, I wonder where you've heard that from. And the story was going to be written, and it was about me. And I think, in theory, the story about me was gonna, was much bigger than the story he was going to write about her. And that, in the thing, in effect, was as to why he came to the door in the first place. But he wasn't invited by me. And what I, what, because I'd written since I was 24, what I wrote down in terms of, you know, I had a conversation with the guy. I wrote what I thought should be written. In, and, and in theory, you are 
you are not talking about what you know. So in, in theory, you are covering for other people. And, you know, and then it was a matter of what's that worth? The reality of it, um, you know, further down the road was something like a ban. But, you know, I never failed the drugs test. And, and if you say, did you, could you talk about people who you know took drugs or took drugs with you? Then, of course, of course I could. We could all do it. But, you know, that's, that's a completely different conversation in itself. So you're saying the journalist was t- turned up at that place with you in mind rather than that, the, the, the other one was a facade, was it? Well, there's a 50-50 chance. And if you look at the amount of copy that the article about me got in the newspaper and the size of the article that she got about her flight, um, you'd see that the article about me was about 10 times bigger. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Together, we save balls. There's a a few little bits in this uh, piece that Paul Weaver did all those many years ago. Facing Malcolm Marshall when when you've had a few. I would not want to face Mark and Marshall sober as a judge. I'd probably run the other way. Obviously, you were far more talented than me. But going out to to face Mark and Marshall with a few a, a bit of alcohol in you that that's not necessarily that clever, is it? Yeah, but if you're told that you're not going to play, and then all of a sudden you're told that you are going to play, then you know in theory you should have pulled stumps at that stage rather than go, go and <laughs> go and face the quickest bowler in the world at that time. But I mean, to be fair, um. You know, I'd been out with Mako the night before. It was in Bournemouth. Uh, and when we'd left the ground, it was absolutely torrential rain, almost the sort of rain you'd get in Singapore or somewhere like that. And the groundsman said, you won't bowl a ball tomorrow. And it didn't stop raining all night. And when we got to the ground in the morning, it was still raining and you couldn't see a blade of grass. And then David Brown, our cricket manager, I said to him, because I knew Bournemouth well, and you sandbanks, you know, we were, um, I was married at the time and, and, you know, there was a place in sandbanks where we used to go stay. I said to Brownie, can, can we leave the grounds? And he said, so long as I know where you're going. So we went to the Royal Motor Yacht Club in Sandbanks, Bournemouth, uh, and I knew the barman there. And we sat and we looked out at sea and we had a few and whatever. And then Brownie or someone from the grounds at, uh, at Dean Park phoned and said, you're starting in 20 minutes. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, but you know, I look at that, I look back on that, and the funny thing about it is that when we walked onto the field, uh, I said to Mako, I said, pitch it up. And he knew where we'd be, you know, and this is not a guy that I didn't know. Uh, and he had a sense of humor, you know, and it took, and, and so then, yeah, so then you got Malcolm Marshall running 25 yards, sprinting in, following the speed of light, two balls in a row, which the second one dismissed me, and you walk off, unfortunately, in the wrong direction. But, uh, you know, you put these things down. That would be an occasion where you don't get it right. But that would be naivety because, in theory, we were told we weren't going to bowl the ball. 
Apparently, Malcolm Marshall said to you as you walked to the middle, "Don't worry, Smitty boy, this won't take long." This won't take long. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. and it didn't. He was pretty good, Malcolm, wasn't he? Oh, he's fantastic, wasn't he? One of the, probably, mm. probably the best I've ever seen. I think. But Dennis Lilly reckons he was the best. Yeah. One of the other pieces um, uh, is you your um, entry into the Mile High Club when you were with um, I think you Warwickshire teammates on a plane and you uh, were rumbled in this uh, toilet and came out and Bob Woolmer apparently looked at you and uh, <laughs> and and said were you wearing your club blazer you're you're wearing you're wearing your club blazer the door, the door didn't open the door was kicked through okay um, but. Uh, Whatever you know, this was a, this is a you know it's a pretty interesting time of life where you're playing in the most successful team. If you look at it, no one's ever achieved that before, and the game was played for hundred you know hundred and odd years before we came along, uh, and it's been twenty five years since we departed, and no one's achieved that amount of success, and that brings opportunity, greater awareness to people. I mean that you know the particular incident you're talking about, there was a South African girl who lives in Cape Town who just happened to be on a flight and um, I got talking to her and um, we decided to go and have a chat somewhere else. A chat somewhere else, right, okay. I, I mean, Bob Woolmer, you, you, I've, I've spoken to you before about Bob Woolmer. Um, you've got massive respect for him. You, 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 hmm. you basically suggest that that incident on the plane was the moment he washed his hands of you. No, what, what he went, <laughs> he washed his hands. He didn't wash his hands with me as a cricketer. Yeah. I think he just sort of, the, the cold light of the day, the reality of the situation. I'm saying, Bob, don't judge me. You know, don't judge me. I mean, you have to put things into context. We were sponsored by a brewery. It was compulsory at the end of play, not on a, an airplane at 35,000 feet. But everywhere we went, we had obligations to sponsors. And if you play in the best team in the land, you are obliged or you're often encouraged or you have no choice. You know, you have to go and mix with people who work for the brewery or their punters or supporters or whatever it would be. And in theory, it would be rude to walk away from them. It might be more professional not to walk into those environments and you'd have to be very disciplined not to go into those environments and have a bottle of wine or whatever it would be. Um, Bobby was with us for four years. It took him probably 18 months to work out that he shouldn't be judging us um, on what we did off the field. He should just stick to how hard we try for him on. Because I was going to Bob and say, don't you think I want to win just as much as you? Look at the way I play. You know, and he got that. But he had to, the penny had to drop. I said, Bob, I'm a big boy. I'll try not to <laughs> let you down. You know, I never got in any fights. You know, there was, you know, there was very little that was ever written. In fact, virtually nothing was ever written about, you know, what we did socially because 99.9% of the time, it was never worth, there was never anything that could be written about, you know. But, you know, there's an example of, of, of a Catonian uh, young woman who knew who I was and she lived in South Africa and where my success was taking place was all in the UK. But she'd heard of me, don't know how. So, I mean, when you have massive respect for Bob Wilmer and, yeah, that shines through every time I've spoken to you, that Bob Wilmer, you put him on a, on a huge pedestal as the best coach you've ever, ever played with, doesn't actually wanting to please that person and, and trying to fit into what they want you to be supersede other stuff that's around the edges of that? I don't, we're not cardboard cutouts. You know, no. we, are people who, we are people who express ourselves, you know. I mean, to play professional sport, um, to be an entertainer, and that's what you are. 
you know, people are judged by statistics, but the statistics don't always tell the truth. And in fact, rarely do, particularly in sport. You know, we get a load of stats thrown at you in modern sport. That's almost like an industry. Let's create an industry that's, that's based solely on stats. That's okay. But at the end of the day, you know, 40,000 people turn up because they want to see their team give it 100%. You know, and if they lose, then at least they, they know that their team gave it 100%. And you can't ask for more than that. And that's what Bob wanted. He just wanted maybe a more rounded version. You know, he, um, uh, how can I put it? You know, he wanted uh, he wanted Cliff Richard, and he got the front uh, and he got the basis for Motorhead on occasion. <laughs> Cliff Richard's force defensive though is terrible. Well, there you go. So I hear. I mean, after you you finished with cricket, you as you say, you escaped to America, and that led you into basically going on to the you know, you know almost taking the tracksuit, didn't it, and, and trying to help people looking at young kids and and trying to use cricket as a a source of something to improve their lives. When I first went to the States, I was in Texas and uh, in Houston. Various people that I met took me to places where I would get a better understanding about American society and American, the problems within America, problems within communities, and how people try to counteract those issues. Um, bear in mind, you've got a lot of racism, you've got a lot of doors that are closed to a very high percentage of the population. So, and I, I, you know, I went and hung out at the University of Austin in the in the sort of libraries, places where you could go and look at reference books, books and things like that, because I didn't want to be a coach and I didn't want to be a teacher. That was too rigid, and it also meant a, a, an element of maybe nine to five, certainly from a teaching point of view. So I wanted to use sport to move people forward, and then I got an opportunity to go to another part of. America and, and, you know, sort of utilize what I'd learned and what I'd get work, what I knew from working in townships in South Africa or being in South America where you're coaching kids and you don't speak Spanish or Portuguese, but you communicate with your eyes and gestures and, and it's about fun. And if you put smiles on young people's faces, you know, they'll come back. And if they keep coming back, then they'll stop getting into trouble. And it's as basic as that. How does that work though? What, what does cricket give somebody? Is it, is it the structure? Is it having something to look forward to? I think, um, well, you know, you can come from many angles. I mean, kids who stand around in street corners tend to do it because they haven't got much to do or they're up to no good. So if you give them, if you offer them an opportunity to do something where it's fun and it's every Saturday morning mm. or, if, or it's every Sunday, uh, if they come, they get, you know, and they keep coming back, they'll learn multiple things. One is they'll be about better people, probably. What, the other is that they'll actually find a few mates real close mates from within that environment. Uh, there'll be a few older people about who sort of may be able to guide them if they've got a few issues. They'll improve in math. They'll work better in pairs. They'll understand team strategy. They'll understand what it's like to be part of something that starts to grow and the part that you can play in it. So if you get kids who've got real issues, no mom's dad, uh, brothers who sell crack, uh, Mom and dads who, who are crack addicts, people who carry guns, uh, living in a, living in a part of the street where you can't walk across the road to retrieve your ball because that's their side of the street. And people have guns from young, but any angle that you can get your hands on young people and move them forward, you give them a chance. The rest up to them, but you have to make it fun and you have to make them curious because curiosity, when it's positive, is pretty addictive, if you like. 
And you were in Compton, weren't you, in um, southern LA? Give give me an example of a kid that you can remember that you you thought I've actually helped him or her. Um, I think what you got, what you had in what you know, what you had in Compton at that time is you had a, a lady called Katie Haber, and you had Ted Hayes, political activist for the homeless, and they formed the cricket team. They are the people who you should ask that question. What I actually saw and what I know took place afterwards in their lives was team was formed and the team was formed to take kids away from gangs who played cricket and there was homeless people who also played in that team. Their lives were changed because they were shown a different side of life that they'd have never seen if it hadn't been for a game called cricket and it hadn't been for Katie Haber and Ted Hayes. So of all the many people I've met in cricket, what they did they should have a sta- they should have a, a statue of the pair of them outside any place of education as to what you can do if you work on the theory of inspiring, inspiring and encouraging. So we could all talk about the young people who who were involved in that team and how their lives have developed. And it's a struggle because if you're born in the wrong side of town, you know you're you're a step behind people who are born across in a more privileged side of town. So you have to work twice as hard, and that's hard. Um, and they did, and their lives have changed, and they stopped getting into trouble. They've got kids, many of them are married. Some of them have got businesses and employ a lot of people, and I hope they're all right in this COVID-19 situation. That was a classic example, and it should have been backed by the ICC. Well, you know, and we wrote to president. We wrote to prime minister in this country. We didn't get it. It was about taking kids away from real active gang crime and they kept on saying this is about cricket and I said no I said they don't turn up with their bats and balls when they're putting the gun in your middle because they're going to carjack her for the Mercedes Benz I said you know they're not thinking cricket then we're trying to change their lives much. but they didn't get it and more cool then it's that badger style There we go. That's the end of the first part of the chat with Paul Smith. Thanks to BodylineTshirts.com, Manscaped.com and to MoonriseSports.com for the support of this podcast. And it's time to turn me off, flip me over and move on to part two of the Paul Smith interview, which is also already published. So you'll be able to find it on the same platform. I'll see you there. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.